All right, Mark, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're, uh, we're excited to have you. It's our first person on the podcast with a Scottish accent. That's for sure. 100%. Also, our first person that's not really directly connected to either, like, to Apex Friendship. No, so everybody knows uh, Mark Ferguson works with my wife over at Duke. Uh, they do stuff way smarter than we do. You just like you guys talk about all the different things that you're doing, and I have to like take a time out to understand not only the different letters that we are using in all these abbreviations, uh, but just the amount of stuff you guys work on is really impressive. It, I mean, it is pretty cool. And the first thing I was going to say is, is this is the only accent I can actually do. So apologies if, <laughs> if, if you don't understand. Um, I'm married to someone from Texas, so. Uh, she doesn't understand me, and I don't understand her, so that's why we've been married for so long. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what got Dana and myself through the first few months, but it's not near as stark as Michigan versus Southern. Massachusetts versus Wisconsin is not as different as you may think it is. No. <laughs> um, so just real briefly before we get into the whole naturalization process, because you just told us you have been naturalized in two countries, and I learned that 45 seconds ago. Yeah, uh, so what I should correct is that I've been through the process twice, but the, the first time was actually my wife naturalizing in the UK. Um, and I took her through that journey, um, like filling all the paperwork in, all the way through to the ceremony in Scotland, in uh, Dunfermline, funnily enough, a town of Dunfermline. And so, and she had to go through the same process that I went through in the States. And it was, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, she got a mug was her prize at the end of it and a nice certificate. I got a flag. There's <laughs> <So, laughs> you know, cultural things going on there. I don't know. There's nothing suggestive about that whatsoever. Yeah. Not, I'm not gonna think about any movies I may have watched with Scottish citizens and what that mug may or may not have been used for. No, we'll just, <laughs> there. just... Uh, so what would you say like what would you think that was surprising or what would, what took so long about the process or how long did it take you? It to be honest with you, that I, I was surprised how quick it was. And I think that it, if there's lots of bureaucracy and there's lots of instructions, you know, lots of paperwork that you have to go through. Um, and, you know, I, I took time going on to blogs and little help groups that who other people who have gone through it or are going through the naturalization process. And it was really helpful to listen and to read as to what their experiences were. And I'd set myself up for years you know i just thought this is just going to be a difficult long process and um in 2018 february beginning of february i actually mailed off my application and i heard back two weeks later uh, and i was kind of stunned um i just wasn't expecting so there's like thank you very much we're starting to process it uh, and uh, about another week after that i got well we've set up an appointment for you to come in and we're going to start to work on it. And I, I was really pleasantly surprised. I could see my $750 of work, you know, that was the check <laughs> I had to mail off. Uh, and it's the, uh, I'd like to say it's the first time I've been fingerprinted uh, through, you know, going through that, you do the biometrics and you get taken into an office down in Morrisville, where it was for me. And uh, it, it, it was quite interesting just to see how quick that was because you hear stories about how long it takes and how inefficient and everybody was friendly. Everybody was very welcoming, very nice. I think there's an, there's always an air of unease. You know, when you go in, you just don't know what to expect. Everybody's a bit nervous trying to be on their best behavior and um, everybody was super, super friendly. And the, 
going through that was quick. Um, and I actually popped out the other end in July. So wow. July the 13th was actually the date I had my ceremony and received my flag. So, <laughs> Do you still have that flag? I, I actually do. It, it's on the floor behind me because I'll go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. That's fantastic. <laughs> And, it, and it's so well preserved. It's like perfectly flat because it's been in the filing cabinet. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's, I have a, a pack off. It's, it's because it's a journey and it's actually surprise. It is, it's, everybody has a story. You know, it's not just filling in forms. It's not just about naturalizing. There's a reason for it. And there's, there's pe real people behind it. With, and it becomes an exercise in paperwork and bureaucracy going through it and at the end of it you realize it actually was an emotional journey and you know you you don't you don't really know that's coming so that as somebody who was born and raised in scotland you know i have the scottish flag and the american flag on the front of the house i have to you know i'm adding to my own culture i'm embracing the flag culture and the uh, i the the scottish national anthem slightly different than the british national anthem when I, when I get up and sing that, it's an emotional feeling for me to sing, I sing, Oh, Flower of Scotland is our unofficial national anthem. And I, when you go into the naturalization ceremony and you get the little booklet, which I actually have here, right? This is, I'm just looking for this. This is where it says, congratulations. It takes you this. And, you know, you go through all this and, it, and it's words on a page, right? So you're just looking at that. And when I stood up to to actually say the words, something very, very surprising happened. I actually felt emotional. And it, it was a release, I think, of all of those um, weeks that have led up to it. And it's really here. And it, and it was a, a very good feeling. And it's something that I always wondered why people stand up and put their hand on their heart. And do I, don't I, I'm not a citizen, should I, should I not? And I think that was the first time I felt, it felt right uh, and it felt good. And it was a very, very nice feeling and a very pleasant feeling to have. No, that's awesome. I was in the back of the room when you got to stand up and said that oath. And it was, I mean, it was cool for me and emotional for me, but I can't imagine how awesome it would have been. So what else kind of part of your story? You said everybody's got a different story and a different reason of why they come to it. So what about that for you that you'd be willing to share with us? Oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting story and, and um, probably it all goes back to, it goes back to love, right? And I originally came here for a job 20 years ago. And in 2002, which is 18 years ago, I actually went onto a website to find um, a place to live. So I had my own apartment and I, I actually didn't like living on my own. And I thought, I'm going to share a house with somebody or I'm going to share an apartment with somebody. And I went onto a website called roommates.com which I didn't know was actually a dating website. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> I actually met my wife that way. So, it, you know, you're actually looking for people that you think you could live with. You know, somebody that's a professional or if you want to be a party animal and room with people your age or whatever it is. So actually what I, what I didn't realize is I was going through the criteria of I'm looking for someone to share, you know, a living space with that I'm compatible with. That. And I didn't realize that, but that is how I found my wife. And You were shocked when you showed up and it was a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, my wife will hate, hate me for saying this, but she was wearing dungarees and a hat at the time. <laughs> um, she was in the military, so 
the first first time I saw her was that. Second time she was in the full um, her full BDUs, right? The battle dress uniform and her combat gear. It's very intimidating. She's taller than me as well. But it, I was in love at that at that point, and that was uh, spring. So that was like April, and uh, in August of two thousand and two, August the sixth, actually, uh, it's an important date because August the sixth, two thousand and two, I said to my to my to Celeste, who was just a roommate at the time, I need to move out, and she said why and I was like because I think I'm falling for you and I don't think that's right and she said I'm falling for you too and yes you should move out because we should have you know we should start something different uh, and August the 6th is when we started our relationship 2002 and August the 6th 2003 on the same year later we actually got married so we, we chose the date the anniversary of our first kiss um, to be married so 2003 we did um, and we had a couple of kids uh, to, in 2005, 2008, and we decided to move to Scotland. So we actually moved back to Scotland in 2005 with a very tough wife that I have, who was uh, six months pregnant, went to move into a country that she's never been to, uh, or certainly never lived in. She'd visited, but never lived in, and then gave birth in a health care system that's so different from the States with people that she can't understand and they don't understand her. So I had to try, you know, a lot of the time. Uh, and she went through the, the, the immigration process in the UK, which the words that they use in the UK are so different than the words here. And here we say green card, right? Green, people know what green card means. It's been in movies, it's, it's understandable. In the UK, they, they took that nice neat little sentence and called it indefinite leave to remain. That is the British equivalent of green card. Nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows what it means. And I think that is the comparisons between the two is the British system is a lot cheaper, um, but it's co complicated and the words that they use in isn't the clearest. I think the US system is a, is a lot clearer. And we, we went into, we actually had a Celeste, my wife had had her interview in Glasgow in Scotland, and um, we had to basically prove that that uh, we were in a real relationship. Right? We've got two kids; they're crying in the waiting room. Believe this. Hold up the child. Like, is this enough proof? Like, I got another one. Like, right. like what are we? What else? Yeah, do what I else need? do you need? Do you want to change the diaper? <laughs> so we actually never actually even had our interview. So we we got pulled up to the glass screen, and as you can imagine, if you've got young kids yourself, life is sometimes stressful. Going places and you know making sure the kids are happy. And uh, we, we moved up to the screen uh, and we're sitting there ready for them. We had a big binder of paperwork, the photographs, all that stuff, just to prove, you know, we, we're in a relationship. And uh, we got into a small argument, my wife and I, about like who's holding what and who's got the kid. And, you know, minor stuff, we were like, hey, I've got, we're nervous. We're like, I've got this, you know, no, 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 I've got this. And like, you don't know what you're doing. I know, you know, and the person behind the screen said, you know what, you guys are married. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually signed off on the on the and they said we we believe it we believe it so <laughs> i think that's the moral of the story is is that real life isn't a hallmark channel and you know you have the good and the bad and uh so yeah we we went through that process and celeste is a uk and u.s citizen and there was one thing missing uh which was me so Celeste has dual nationality, both my kids have dual nationality. And the big part was, I don't, like I only have one passport, I need two. 
So we decided that uh, actually not just that reason, obviously, but in, in 2015, our kids were a little bit, they're sort of seven and 12 at that time. We thought it'd be nice to bring them to the States for a bit of diversity, to experience different culture, a different perspective, a different weather, you know, everything to be different. And the, as they moved into to the US system, I could, I could tell with the Pledge of Allegiance every day, sometimes felt a little bit interesting, you know, where, how did you get on today, son? And you're like, no, what we had to do, Dad, there's a strange voice that comes over the speaker in the classroom and tells you to say these words. And I don't even know what the words are or what they mean. And, you know, it, it, it all sort of, you know, percolates down to a feeling of collectiveness and cohesiveness and bringing multiple cultures together where I think, I think they call it, they call it the, the call of nations during the naturalization ceremony, where they have, I don't know how many people were there, like 30 people at that particular ceremony that I was in. And each person says, I was a national, you know, I'm a national or I was a national off. And they list out the country, whether it's France or Brunei or Saudi Arabia or Japan or whatever. And I think all these different cultures probably have very little in common. Um, but today they had everything in common. And I think that that is something that the US does really well, is brings in all these different, you know, perceptions, feelings, and it sort of embraces them and brings them all together. And that's something I'm very grateful for. It's, it's interesting that it's, when you were talking about moving your kids back into the, like, well, not back to the United States, for them going to the United States, really yeah. living there, you want to go there for diversity. It's like, I just don't, I like, yes, the United States is diverse, but like, I would like think the opposite. I want to go to Scotland. So you experience right. Scotland diversity. So like, what was the weirdest thing for them besides the Pledge of Allegiance? Was there anything else weird that like they experienced when they over here? They're like, wait, why do we do that? Yeah, it, they, they um, have shown remarkable resilience. And I think that sometimes you, you try and protect your kids more than they need protecting. And, and actually the exposure does them really good. And one of the things that they said right from almost the first day was the use of swear words. So for them, words that are not um, bad words in Scotland were bad words here. And I had to reteach them how to communicate when they're frustrated. So I basically had to say, listen, you wouldn't use these words in Scotland, but you can use them here. That's the good news. Which <laughs> are not okay here. We don't need to really think about it. We just have to accept that people get offended if you say just because of where we are. Um, we just need to stop using those words. But hey, I'm going to tell you some new ones that people don't understand here, and that we can all have a laugh together. So, and it, 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 it's interesting. It's just different. But yeah, the swear words was for them and communication and knowing if somebody is joking or if they're serious. Um, and, and, you know, le moments of levity, we had to come up with a little bit of a code uh, between us where they could, they could explain to me, Dad, this is, this is somebody who doesn't have a sense of humour, right? So we, we're not going to joke, all right, Dad? And I was like, okay, fine. Um, so we, you know, we, we, we get through it, but they, they are incredible at having developed uh, good communication skills embracing and I, and I really do think they'll get the best of, of both cultures and both worlds so I'm really really excited actually for them to experience that that's awesome so what I do have one question that a lot of our kids have kind of asked us that when they go through the process about kind of 
renouncing like there's a part in the oath about like renouncing your former like but you still got the scottish flag up so like what did that mean for you and what did it apply to everybody's a little different it, it is and, it, and, I, and i think so it's interesting in the sense that nobody probably understands what the uk is or britain is i mean it's you know in terms of a nationality and a and a, and a, and a country so um the united kingdom of great britain and northern ireland which is its sunday best title and that is the sovereign state and that is the nationality that, that I have. So when I, you know, my passport says you're British. And um, Scotland, as a constituent country of the United Kingdom, doesn't have a nationality. It doesn't have a legal sovereign status. And um, so when you stand up and say, um, you know, I'm renouncing my British nationality, it, it, it felt like I was taken off a winter coat. It didn't feel like I was taken off my skin, in the sense that Scotland is 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 not. There's no nationality. There's nothing written down that says that. And that you know, when I went into Germany, as I did when I was a teenager, um, I went on a travel, and I'm trying to exchange money. Back in the days, what you did, you went into a shop and you gave them your money, and you you get their money back out. And they were like, we can't find your nationality anywhere, right? We can't help you, sir. Apparently, we don't know where Scotland is. And <laughs> I'm like, well, actually, it's part of Britain. And, uh, you know, then you get through it all. But I think it, it, it's complex. It's complex. And you start to peel off these layers that, to me, I've always, and this is just my personal politics, I felt more Scottish, which is more about your tribe and your family than I did any political sort of... Um, culture if you like it's almost manufactured and i think that there's no constitution in the in the uk so it's all precedent and i think there's a very very long history of scotland and england and wales uh, a very long complicated history and when you come to to the states uh, the history is is complex but it's a lot more recent and i feel like i have more in common with someone from california than i do someone from england so it's it's just different, and, I, and a lot of it is more your your feelings and your uh, your perspective and and how you look at it. And when when we moved to Scotland, Celeste used to say to me, she would say, you know, she she would have a discussion with somebody, and it and it turns into a misunderstanding. And she'll say, um, "Is it because I'm an American? Is that why that person didn't do that?" And I'm like, "No, it's because it's it's, it's who you are, right? It's what you did." It's not because of your nationality. It's because you open up all your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve and I don't. That's not an American thing. That's just a person thing. So, you know, it's always been, is who you are and your nationality doesn't really, it, it levers, it, it can give you a, a step up, but it doesn't define you. Interesting. Uh, you talked about your, both your kids have dual citizenship. Yes. What? So what, how that happened? Like, what, what did you do to, in order to make that work? It, it's, it's actually an often, it's a good thing. And it, it's an, it almost happens really by default in the sense that, so both my kids were born in Aberdeen in Scotland. And because they have a mother who is a U.S. citizen, is they have the, they have the automatic right to become a U.S. citizen. And as a, as a parent, we, we can either decide to do it for them as their child, or they could do it themselves if they were an adult. And we made the decision that it's gonna be easier if we just do it for them. So what it involved was a really weird experience, um, getting in the car, so Aberdeen down to 
Edinburgh, right? And there's a US consulate in Edinburgh. So you fill in some forms uh, and you send them off and, they, and it takes about three months, which is funnily the same period to naturalize. And you go down and then they say, come down for your interview. And I'm like, who, who are they interviewing? This, this is a three month baby, right? So I'm like, whatever, right? Maybe, it's, maybe the person's got a sense of humor. They don't, right? And you go down there and they, they issue you with a passport, a consular certificate of birth, which is like a US birth certificate and a social security card. And uh, all of this is done in front of a glass screen holding a baby carrier. And then we had a two and a half year old at this point, right? Dylan's two and a half. And the, the consular person behind the, the glass screen, who's a diplomat, obviously, working in the US consulate in Scotland, very young person, very professional, very pleasant, but absolutely no sense of humor. And they, uh, that doesn't really work with me, so they, <laughs> because I can't help it. You know, it's like you go into the airport and the person says, did you pack the suitcase yourself? My wife's like nudging you, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't pack it myself, my wife did. Right. But anyway, you know, we all have these experiences. So we're, we're in the consulate and we're in front of the glass screen and the, the person there says, turns to my two and a half year old son and says, is that your brother who we're holding? I'm like, surely she's joking. And Dylan turns to, or used to facing her, and he says, I've never seen that child before in my life. You're <laughs> like, color draining out of my face. <laughs> I'm like, he's only joking. And she's like, I'm only joking too. So I realized she did have a sense of humor. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. Good. yeah. That's we, we, we were breaking it. And it was the only, uh, from, from the first time I was in the States, before I became a US citizen, I really enjoyed Papa John's pizza, right? It was my favorite. I, I don't anymore, I've had enough of it, but I really liked Papa John's pizza. I liked the garlic sauce, right? You dip crust in, really nice. And the only Papa John's pizza in Scotland is in Edinburgh near the consulate. Oh, there so we go. That was the, yeah, that's what we did. That was, we did it twice, that was the routine. You drive down, do what you need to do, and then we go and grab the, the Papa John's. That was, that was the, I'm giving some free marketing there for Papa John's. For our, See, that's, that's what we need to do. We've been trying to figure out who our sponsor is going to be to help pay for we'll this. We'll just thing. go get Papa John's pizza. There we go. <laughs> national, national sponsor. That's perfect. Um, well, do you have anything else that you think has been like different or some part of your story for the nationalization process you want to tell us? Because that's all been, I mean, I didn't know most of that, to be honest. Um, not only just the process of what it can all look like, um, but I thought that was, it was really meaningful. It, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's like, it's almost for me, it lets you see a world that does exist and, and this is around you, but you don't see it. And it's, it's you know, people's stories, people's journey, people's status, you know, um, you never really know what it is. And I think that there's definitely a lot of experiences that people go through and, and everybody is different in the sense that, you know, I can't give advice to say, this is what you should do. Um, in terms of getting a, a visa or a green card or whatever. But I think actually everybody's so different. Um, and my experience was, you know, I think relatively simple, but I think not everybody's is. And, and I certainly have a, an appreciation for, for that. Um, and just a, a little bit more of an open ear. And um, I can empathize a little bit. There is definitely anxiety that people have not knowing, you know, what, what your status is um, and, and 
what the next part of this is. And even if it all goes well, and I and mine did go well, and I had a fairly easy ride, I would say, and very lucky and grateful for that, I still felt anxious. And I think that I can imagine if somebody doesn't have an easy experience, that it's just the only thing I would say is just try and be sympathetic and, and you know, empathize with what they're going through in some way. No, like I'm good. Like I honestly, I, I feel like I haven't asked that many questions because I've just been enjoying hearing your story. Because this, I mean, I've like I've known a couple of people who have been naturalized, but like never actually dive deep into like why they did it. You know, the reasons behind it, the fact that your whole family has dual citizenship, which is quite fascinating to me. Uh, is there any hope that either one of your children is going to go play for the Scottish soccer team? You know, what's the we're going to go out for the Olympics? You know, you really so, use that dual citizenship to their advantage. I think basketball, right? So basketball is the future, right? So Dylan, my oldest son, is about, he is massive, right? So he's 14 and he's six foot three. And I am not, like I'm tiny. And that basketball is terrible in Scotland. People can't play basketball in Scotland. So he is going to be awesome, right? <laughs> so, yeah. That's perfect. I like the long-term thinking that you've got there. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I know how much my wife Dana enjoys working with you, and I just uh, I can see why even more clearly now. Uh, but, but thanks so much, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was fantastic. I think we need to start interviewing more people that we don't really know. Yeah, or like I'm a loose connection with. Yes. Like I think you know, being uh, Mark works with Dana, and so like you've met him a couple of times, sure. but probably you there was a lot of stuff that we found out about that. Like We've never like hung out. Hung yeah. Out. Um, but no, like, I mean, that was just really interesting because I was even, I was unaware of like how quickly that process took for him. Right. With the paperwork. And, and he even said like, there were certain things that helped him out. So we talked afterwards, mm -hmm. uh, which honestly, there was a part of me that wish I had just like kept the record button going. Um, but like about how his process was streamlined when he came over here for a job interview. Uh, and how like he was able to honestly read the fine print of the rules to becoming a naturalized citizen and be able to start his clock, quote unquote, yeah. even earlier. Yeah, because he came over here for the job interview, he didn't actually move here till like July, but mm -hmm. he came over in like in April or February. He was able to start it then because that's when he entered the country for the job interview. Right. And so he was able to start his clock then, which like saved him six months right. of his time, which is quite fascinating. So second time in about three podcasts that we've talked about the importance of reading the fine print yes. and how much that can really help us out. I was also fascinated. He was talking about like the, the process for his wife becoming a Scottish citizen and how much harder the test was. The dialect question just baffled me. And I'm still kind of, we just finished doing the interview and I'm still really confused because like we joke around this all the time. Actually, Funny enough, and I think Morgan Rutledge and that whole crew is going to find this really funny, is that in our Snapchat group chat, the conversation between did you call it oodles and noodles or ramen? And like people who grew up around here called it oodles and noodles and people who grew up elsewhere was ramen. I was ramen. Yeah, like, but it's just like some, it's just again how some people in some areas called it oodles and noodles and some people called it ramen. Like that's a, it's a dialect, it's a culture thing. Like that shouldn't be on a citizenship that should, Yeah, like it shouldn't be like on a citizenship of like who's, who says y'all, Coke versus Pepsi, right. pop and soda. Like that's kind of stuff like should not be on government documents. No. And be like, hey, do you know what a, a Geordie accent is? No, I, I don't think I've even heard what the word Geordie is. Yes, I did know where Newcastle was though. I do know that. Congratulations. I know. Um, but it is like just the difference in the two countries and even like the United States is so well connected to Great Britain. 
Yeah. Uh, and you'll hear us talk about like the special relationship between the two. But like Great Britain has no constitution like we do. Yeah. Like everything is based off precedent. And so whether that's the history or the government or the naturalization process, it's just fascinating that like we were able to start with a clean slate. Um, and just having Mark being able to have that unique perspective of not only their whole family having dual citizenship, uh, but like him having gone through the process here for himself and over there with his wife. Like it's, it's a very unique perspective that honestly, I didn't even know until just now. I didn't realize too, him being from Scotland, the lack of just like national, national feeling for Scotland. Right. Like in my head, I figured like, I understand the connection between the United Kingdom and British, but like, I still like when he kind of felt when he said that, like, yeah, I didn't really have a national feeling towards Scotland. Like there wasn't a sense of pride towards Scotland because a national feeling towards Scotland. He yeah. felt like the Scottish part was like his skin and like the Great British part. But it was, was that what the part they got rid of was this, was the Great British part. Like yeah. I just I found that fascinating that like there was that that type of connection there. Um and I kind of think of it as kind of very similar to like maybe how like, you know. Yes, you're a United States citizen, but, like, you talk about South Carolina. Yep. So, like, it may not be a big deal that if you eventually become a citizen of another country, but, like, you still feel like you're part in South Carolina because that's where sure. you grew up with. Like, you know, that's, that's actually a very interesting, like, history question of, like, you know, we're talking right now about Articles of Confederation at the beginning of the Constitution. Like, each one of those people at that convention viewed themselves as a Virginian more than an American. Yeah. And it was really that way until the Civil War, from what I understand and what I've read. Uh, like you would talk about like, no, it's like all about how you identify yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot, that's one thing that we have politically too, like people self-identify in certain ways. And I, I think going off from like next year when we do this project, the citizenship project with the kids and we talk about nationalization, like I'm curious, like what do these other tests look like? Like yep. what, it, what does the, you know, oh, he was ready to quiz us. He was. <laughs> um, and like, I mean, I know what our test looks like, but what, you know, what does Japan's like citizenship test look like? What do all these countries look like? And like, could we take it? Like, what's the type of questions that are on there? Right. Are they more government related questions or are they culture questions that you saw in like the United Kingdom? So maybe that's our next challenge is to try to every now and then, at least every year, find another dual citizen or somebody that went through the process and like, or understands does another country's process more in depth. Uh, and then we do our own citizenship project a little bit and we kind of do our own in-depth research. Um, but I think I'm good. I think that's Not kind good. of the main things we wanted to kind of sum up from Mark's interview. Uh, and I think we're just keeping finding ways to bring more and more people. And then we're going to start looking for our sponsorships. Yes. Because we are sort of practicing our ad reads. Yes, I just want to say an ad read. That's uh, and we already we have some ideas. I we have some legitimate. Ideas. I think advertising the food trucks on here is one hundred percent the way to go. Uh, 